Welcome to this episode of Orange Talks. I'm your host, David Tamez. On this episode, we discuss the concept of second chances with the director and founder of Phoenix Woodworking, Shine Adams. Who deserves second chances? Where do we draw the line between the deserving and the undeserving? We discuss these questions and more. As always, thank you for listening, and do not forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Enjoy. All right, folks, welcome to this episode of Lawrence Talks. I'm your host, David Tamez. I am with my co-host, Michael Otteson and Kevin Watson. And joining us today is none other than Shine Adams of Phoenix Woodworking, uh, or Woodwork. Phoenix right? Woodworking. Phoenix Woodworking. Yeah. Okay. So yes. I had it. I had we it. We wanted the word to be as long as possible. <laughs> well, Shine, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And as you... Uh, as our audience may or may not be aware, we, uh, again, purpose of Lawrence Talks is to explore some of the uh, philosophical and ethical issues that uh, bear out of some of these. Uh, and so we thought we'd, uh, although initially I, th I think uh, the team over from Wood, uh, Phoenix Woodworking reached out to Lawrence Talks and we were very excited about that because we do strive to be a community-oriented uh, organization or project. Uh, we. Uh, being philosophers want to, in, in a sort of way, take things, uh, take philosophy away or out of the uh, university, out of, out of the armchair. Out of the armchair and uh, just engage with people uh, as, as philosophers. And, um, and we thought, and we're, so we're excited when uh, uh, Shine, you and your team reached out to us. And uh, we given the sort of relevance of, the, of what you do, especially with uh, what's happened in Lawrence in the past few months regarding uh, the homeless sh uh, shelter, the Lawrence Community Shelter, um, and just sort of the sort of value statements that are being made, uh, we thought uh, this would be a great sort of uh, entry into that topic and, and to just also just uh, focus on the work that you do and, and sort of the reasons why, why you go about doing it. So. Um, Let's begin with uh, telling us, talking about a little bit about who, who you are and, and uh, the work that you've uh, you've started here with with Phoenix Woodworking. Okay, uh, my name is Shine, and I am here in Lawrence, Kansas. I started a small company with a group of people called Phoenix Woodworking, and the idea is that we only hire people that are facing barriers or at risk. Um, folks that are having a hard time getting a job somewhere else and uh, people that might uh, need a chance. And um, I, I started that company with a board of directors, other individuals from Lawrence who have an optimism that, that when you give people a chance, it's the only chance that will have to interrupt negative patterns. And, you know, there's this stigma that we see all the time, sometimes it's just subliminal even, that if somebody's having a hard time in life that it must be their choices that took them there. Um, or that even when it is their choice that took them there, that for some reason that should negate the fact that they're human and that they deserve a chance anyway. Um, so we believe that 
every human being, even if they have made bad choices, deserves a chance to change those choices and not to be, you know, punished indefinitely for mistakes. So yeah, that's that's why we started the company. I also like working with wood and making things with my hands and so it's a good excuse for me to hang out in the shop and invent little things and spend time with people. Great. Th thank you. Yes, uh, you talked about disrupting uh, negative patterns of behavior, and I was curious how the opportunity that you provide people does that in ways that go beyond m money and financial compensation. Well, I don't, I don't want to leave money out of it because that is really important, um, and that is a huge part of it. You know, when, when somebody's desperate, they're much more likely to behave badly. It's just how we are. Um, and so, for one thing, we, we try to help people feel not desperate, help people feel understood, help people form bonds with those around them. And that almost universally improves behavior. But I also have to go back to the kind of overall idea behind that question. Um, we, the goal of Phoenix Woodworking isn't as much to change people's behavior as it is to change the stigma around people's behavior and to help people know that they have a safe place to be, where they'll be understood, where they can be themselves. Uh, we provide a place where authority isn't um, ugly and mean like, I'm the boss. Everybody knows I'm the boss, but I never yell at anybody, you know? There's no reason to be mean to your employees. And so we're, you know, making an effort to change the way that business works just as much as we're making, or even more than we're making an effort to change the way people behave, you know, as far as our employees. So we also don't choose employees who are in the middle of bad behavior. Like, I, I won't hire you if you're like shooting up on the corner or um, violent or stealing or, you know. I, I, we have a mandatory 90 day clean and sober rule. So if you haven't been clean and sober for 90 days and you come apply, then I will say, call me back when you got 90 days. Call me every day until you got 90 days. And, uh, you know, we'll work it out. But we have to keep boundaries, you know. We're, I'm not here to change anybody. Um, I'm just here to give opportunities to people who are changing. And, you know, by nature, humans are always changing. So certainly you can kind of tell when somebody's on a destructive trajectory and we don't offer things to those people. We offer things to people who are on a trajectory of growth And you mentioned one, one line you tend to draw about, about uh, I guess, the limits of um, who has access to, to the work that you're uh, providing, um, being that they have to be clean and sober uh, for, 90, for 90 days. Uh, are there any other sort of uh, limitations that, that you're unwilling to, I guess, or that you draw, uh, either implicitly or explicitly, as to who yeah. deserves this? Well, we have behavioral guidelines, like if you 
we have a sheet that says specifically if you threaten someone with violence, you know, knowingly, then you're fired. I mean, it's that simple. Um, you, you know, um, treating others with respect, remembering that we're all equals, approaching the job with patience, you know, being communicative, all of those sorts of things. Um, I usually have better luck talking with people about what I do want from them more than what I don't want from them. I think that most people understand if you say, this is a respectful environment and we want positive interactions, it's, uh, I think it's more efficient to say that than you better not be negative or else, <laughs> you know? So th there are some, I mean, there, there are a lot of social rules that we all kind of have ingrained in us that, um, that we learn when we're little, like share, be, be nice, don't yell, stuff like that. It's sometimes people that are in deep crisis forget those things and it's important to like remind them and help them feel safe enough that they can remember. But that's about all. I mean, I can. T I worked with at the shelter for years, and I uh, have volunteered with people at risk, pretty much the entirety of the time I've been sober, so eight years. And I also like spent a lot of time out on the streets, like with rough folks, before I quit drinking. So I just feel like I can kind of tell if somebody's gonna gonna be a good fit or not. And I'm also good at, um, you know establishing so one of the things that you're currently working on is um partial funding for your business through kickstarter to try to um further your market or further the opportunities that you're able to give uh people within the community in some ways can you talk a little bit about um what you think that the funding from kickstarter uh and the opportunities that you're going to give to people is going to do for the lawrence community or how you're going to be using the money um, to further the projects that you're working on in the shop and for the community and so on. We make really simple products like a chunk of wood with a design on it. Um, it's been lovingly made. It does take some time to make it, but, but it's not like we're building um, craftsman style furniture or something. We're making small wooden gifts. And so when you look at that, you think, oh, okay, that's a low price point item. No big deal, shouldn't take too long, and that's true. But every single time we develop a new product, we have to figure out if it works, figure out a method of manufacturing it, train everybody how to do it, we have to photograph it, we have to name it, we have to make a bunch of prototypes to show as samples, and we have to post it online and talk with our webmaster about pricing, yada, yada, yada. It's, it's a lot of work for a simple thing. and. So it's really expensive to develop new products. Um, so that's one thing, is we need to kind of attack that issue with money. Money is a really important part of all this. I can't, uh, you know, and, and we mostly, this is so I can hire more people because there's a need. Um, I get calls literally every day, especially since we launched the Kickstarter. I'm getting calls and emails, maybe three or four per day. I got a call today from the parole board in Kansas City. They're asking if we're hiring. So um, there are more individuals than I can even begin to count that could benefit from having a chance, having a job, getting their resume set, 
getting that self-confidence together and getting back in the workforce. Um, and so that's my primary focus. But then there are all these other little satellite goals like making more products or um, expanding our website or sales, you know, in order to keep money coming in. I need to go out and meet with uh, buyers at different shops, and I need to market this stuff. And that means that I have to drive to different towns so that we're not just flooding Lawrence with our product, and I have to have the time um, to, to go talk with buyers and make appointments and go to gift shows and all of these different sorts of venues to show the world what we do and then sell it and then take that money and hire people. So Kickstarter really is exactly that. It's a kickstart. It's a way to directly market to the public in a very efficient manner, um, sell the product and get notoriety. Like we, um, the other benefit that a lot of people probably don't even think about is Kickstarter is kind of a powerful website. It's known worldwide and they, they do a lot of, um, if you were to Google Phoenix Woodworking, and I can happily say now that we are number one if you Google Phoenix Woodworking. So that's a huge breakthrough. It doesn't seem like a big deal, really, because, like, you know, if somebody's Googling Phoenix Woodworking, uh, they probably already know who we are. Uh, so I guess a follow-up question to what I had previously asked. Hopefully it recorded properly. Um, so part of what you're trying to do here is to reduce the negative stigma for people who are suffering from various problems that might result in them um, negatively affecting their well-being and their futures in various ways. Um, how do you think that um, getting a job at a place like this will help their future trajectory, right, and prevent them from uh, relapsing or um, result, like resulting in uh, or acting in ways that might result in them uh, back in the prison system? I don't think that. I okay. think... I, I don't think that I'm saving anybody at all. I just think I'm giving people a chance. Um, you know, when I first came up with this idea a few years ago, I was hanging out with a friend of mine named Mike, and he was the uh, director of operations at the jail reentry program. And he, he had, like, lovingly built a library and had all kinds of different um, little clubs and things he, he brought. Uh, so, yeah, as I was saying... I don't have the idea that I will save anybody any negative thing that could possibly happen in their future. Uh, I don't think that I, I don't approach this with the with the idea that I'm somehow changing or influencing somebody and their choices. I'm giving opportunities and options, and as a result of that, if the person's in the right place in their life and they take the path that's of, of non-destruction, then they have the opportunity. It's really, it's more about, uh, you know, if you, if you only give people negative options, they're only going to make negative choices. And over time, after you've burned enough bridges or after you've become a notorious um, recidivist or, or drunk or whatever, then you, doors close. And all I'm doing is opening another door if they choose to come through and wish to do better than they can. And that's it. And there are some benefits to working, you know, like getting a resume is a really big deal. Some people don't have the skills 
you know, people will come work for me and they won't know how to make a resume. So I'll just show them how to make a resume. So, you know, again, I'm not giving them their next job, but I'm offering them the opportunity to learn how to get their next job. I'm um, teaching them skills that are marketable. Working with power tools is something that is in is needed. We don't have a lot of craftspeople of uh, my generation and younger, and so it's a very marketable skill. So I'm giving people the opportunity to market themselves and to gain that skill. But I would be lying if I said that everybody who ever worked for me just suddenly grew wings and, and became an angel because that is not true at all. I mean, I've seen miraculous things happen and I've seen people defy the expectations of law enforcement or you know, the judicial system. I've seen people turn their lives around and I'm very grateful to have been there, but it wasn't me, it was them. And given, given uh, that sort of, uh, that approach, how do you think your organization should be should be judged or evaluated by by the public? If if it's not so like so people might focus on well just how helpful um, oh. is it to be for people's uh, I guess revitalizing revitalizing people's lives and careers and I'll tell you exactly how I want to be seen. I want to be seen. I want this organization to be seen as something everybody can do, like. I want other people to say, whoa, that's not that weird. I can do that. That's what I want. I don't want people to say, what a saint. I can't believe you're doing that. You're so brave. I want people to say, dude, if he can do it, so can I, you know? <laughs> and I want them to see the stuff we make and say, that's fucking cool shit. I want that and buy it. Yeah, and, and uh, one, one other sort of uh, issue or point that people might bring up is that uh, or you can be able to you can be able to speak to this is that uh, wh whether your experience tells you what that this sort of private uh, oriented uh, endeavor that it, it comes out of an individual's will and uh, and hard work is more effective than any sort of government uh, program might be have you ha has that sort of come up or your experience tell you one way or another on on that sort of question? I don't know if there is any government program like this. I mean, we, we're attached to the Peasley Tech Center, which is a, um, it's a school specifically to train people in different trades. Like there's an HVAC school, there's a construction school, there's a networking um, wiring school, there's an automotive tech school. And those guys are government funded and they do amazing stuff. Like they have, students that come in as high school dropouts and leave, you know, starting at 30 bucks an hour. We were talking about how Phoenix Woodworking compares as a social enterprise to uh, governmental programs. And I really don't have a, a decent comparison. I know that there are government programs like the Peasley Center that we're attached to here. Um, they train people in all kinds of trades and they do a wonderful wonderful service for our community by doing so. And, you know, because education isn't a one-size-fits-all kind of concept, it, do, it just doesn't work that way. So um, the Peasley is publicly funded and they help us as a, as a uh, community to 
get new people into the trades, and they also help those people who may not have a lot of other options academically to get a very valuable experience and, and a good start on a good career. What I do is, again, I don't, I don't think that what we're doing here at Phoenix Woodworking is, um, is like some magical thing. I think it's something that everybody should do. It's just that there's all this stigma. So automatically, business owners often are um, just assuming that it's not something to be done. That, you know, well, just not even stopping to think about it. Like, I just, you know, knee-jerk have been conditioned not to hire people who have had a hard time or come in looking rough. And so, you know, I know what it's like to be so poor and have so few options that like anything can help. Just getting a, getting a phone so you can get a call back from a job is a huge step for a lot of folks. So I, I don't know, I can't compare us to a government program at all, but I can definitely compare us to other companies. And I think that other companies, when they do get over that stigma, will only be better for it for a lot of reasons, social and also, you know, it'll make their company more interesting. Yeah, I would, I, uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear you talk about some of the benefits of, of your business model and your hiring model that, that you think other businesses might not be aware of, if you could speak to that. Uh, I think we sell more stuff because we're very public about how it's made. Uh, I mean, like, our stuff is cool. It stands on its own. That's really important to me. We're not just making trinkets. We're doing stuff that is actually artisan-made. Um, that's cool, cool designs. But I do think that a large portion of our sales are because we advertise what we do. And the reason we advertise what we do isn't just for sales. It's because I want to influence other businesses to see that it works. One way to do that is by sales. You know, other businesses will see us selling more stuff, and maybe they'll think, hey, we could do it too. This is not a proprietary approach. I want this to kind of catch on. There are other companies that do that as well, like Davis Keller Bread, Felony Franks. Um, there's a whole list of companies that are felon-friendly, they say. Um, we're a little different in that we specifically seek people that are uh, facing barriers from several different reasons, but you know, primarily um, criminal record. Uh, anyway, you know, I just I think other businesses, when they see that we sell more stuff and our stuff is cool, will recognize that they can do it too. Hopefully, when they hear this webcast, or you know, the maybe they'll think that's cool. I could do that too. <laughs> And earlier, uh, when uh, sort of before we started recording, we discussed uh, some of the things that that motivate you or the reasons that you have for um, taking taking on this work, the sort of guiding principles that um, that drove you to start uh, Phoenix Woodworking. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about those as well. Yeah. So when I was uh, daily drunk, I drank because I had some some kind of pain, existential pain, from knowing that I wasn't living up to my own morals. I've always, I think most people, when they're, when they're, from their earliest memory, most people have an idea of what right and wrong is in their world. I don't know why, but it's definitely something that I've felt. And I think some people are more 
keenly sensitive and uh, maybe even self-destructive when they feel that they're not meeting their highest moral purpose or feel that they're bending their morals on a daily basis. So for whatever reason, you know, my self-esteem was was kind of shaky and then I drank and then I'd do something that I regretted and then I would live in that regret and feel incomplete because I wasn't living up to my own standards morally and so I would drink some more to kind of quiet that. And, um, and it, you know, it became a cycle that lasted for years where the only time that my conscience wasn't bothering me is when I was drunk. And it's not like I ever did anything terrible. <laughs> it's just I've always had a strong attachment to doing the best that I can. I'm, uh, I guess, uh, my shrink called it a overachiever. And um, when I finally stopped doing, like, self-medicating and started and, and kind of challenged myself, like, okay, dude, you're an overachiever. Try overachieving instead of drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I got into that, and, and I asked myself, I still ask myself daily, is this the best I can do? Am I living my morals completely? And, you know, I'm not perfect at all. I make a ton of mistakes every single day, many, many mistakes, and I'm learning to live with them. But I decided when I got sober that if I'm going to continue living, I want to live each day learning and doing the best that I can. And, and for me, one of the, most, the biggest transformative times for me was exactly when I quit drinking and when I realized how many doors had been closed to me because of that. And so as I slowly kind of worked into having a real life, a real sober life, I promised myself that I would remember that and that I would try to offer that to people around me and so I kind of, you know, found that that was doing my overachieving business, but in a good way, instead of a self-destructive way, I was getting closer to living a life that I wanted to live. And, um, and I was, you know, sharing it with other people. So I guess, it, you know, ultimately it's kind of selfish. I want to live in the way that I feel okay about myself, and this is part of that. Thank you. Yeah, sometimes I think there's a, an impulse on the part of some people to say, well, we shouldn't focus on, on... Sometimes I think there's an impulse when we think about crime and punishment to focus on the effect on, of, that that crime has on victims and not so much focusing on perpetrators broadly construed and, and, and kind of giving them a second chance and the ideas that our, our resources should should go towards helping victims. Now, what, what I think is fascinating about your business is you're, you're focusing on people who have perhaps slipped up in a, in a particular way. And I'm curious how you would, you would articulate why that's important and what, what, what is that? What, why should we concern ourselves with, with people who have slipped up in their lives? Like what, what, how do you, I mean, I, I, I know that this is something you know, I have an impulse that that it's important to help people who have slept up slipped up as well but I'm just curious to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, I wish I could give a complicated smart answer to that but really th the truth is that to you know I am not huge on the word victim but I understand what you mean by that. And the fact is that all of these folks that I hire are victims. There's 
no difference between in this in most cases between being a uh, self-destructive person and being a victim you know like I, I we have a rule we don't hire sex offenders um, there are certain things that like you know morally I might explore and talk about with with people like what what forgiveness is the correct amount of forgiveness and how far should I go in forgiving and that's a big conversation but but this is pretty simple you know this is people who currently are doing their best and who have in the past not done their best usually within an hour of talking to any of these people you'll find out that they were victims of child abuse or violence or any number of things um, it's just kind of a social ill and it affects all of us I mean it's a it's a, it's about non-judgment really it's not about choosing one person over the next it's about seeing all people as equally deserving of a chance so earlier when I said they're all victims too like I don't want to get into this train of thought that victims deserve more than other people or somehow that that you know in order to deserve something you have to show that you've been hurt that's a also a kind of a, a sickness of our culture um, I also don't want to um, to belittle the experience of victims by saying that they're that their abusers were victims too and somehow that makes it fair that's not fair at all if somebody is victimizing somebody actively I'm gonna fucking do something I'm not gonna stand by and say oh this poor person who is victimizing you was also a victim at some point or another that's not at all what I mean I'm talking about stepping away from that cycle and seeing people as innately worthy regardless of which part of that story they're in um, I'm also like very fierce about protecting people and um, I don't think it's like okay at all to victimize anyone ever well shine thank you uh, for bringing us to your shop today and uh, telling us more telling us about uh, Phoenix Woodworking and, and the sort of motivations you've had for um, just starting it and, and the sort of uh, motivating and normative reasons that, that guided you to, towards uh, opening this, uh, this project. Um, we wish you all the luck in continuing it. And um, if we can lend any support on our, on our side uh, uh, in any way um, that you can think of, we are more than happy to I'll tell you right now, <laughs> ask your audience to go to kickstarter.com and look up A Chance to Work or just look up Phoenix Woodworking or go to our Facebook page or Instagram. You'll find links all over the place. Um, the project is called A Chance to Work. The company is called Phoenix Woodworking. And we're on Kickstarter for about one more day. And we can definitely, we would definitely appreciate enlisting any listeners to join us in providing these opportunities because we're just a big giant team you know all of us you can do this too yeah. dear listener well, thank you shine and uh for those for those listening yes go out uh, and support uh, phoenix woodworking and, and shine's work and and his team 
they do need your help, and they it's a more than more, more than a, a worthy cause on any on any level. Uh, thank you for joining us, and thank you for listening. Thanks.